pursuing financial independence can be an incredibly helpful path for families looking to have more options. However, when you have so many different paths, fire, lean, fat, slow, barista, the list goes on and on, it can be difficult to sort out what's the best fit for you. Today, we're going to dive into those different paths so you have a better understanding and can see what is the best fit for you. And then we're also going to get into how you can begin to calculate how much you need to retire and when. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Be honest with me. What do you think of when you hear the term financial independence. Do you think of a certain number, maybe when you'd like to be retired by, so you can travel on your own schedule, not have to worry about a nine to five again? Do you think of financial independence kind of like a form of security or insurance? You have tucked away in investments or in some income streams, a significant amount where you don't have to worry about the bills. Or do you see a family who has a very healthy income, living a life where they're depriving themselves of vacations, eating out, and having fun just to retire faster. Talk to different people and you get different answers. There are a lot of strong opinions about financial independence. What I'm curious about is how young families can take key principles from the FI community and use them to reach goals that matter to them personally. So yeah, it could involve planning to retire early, or maybe you're looking at it where your essentials are taken care of so you can start making decisions where you're aligning your time more with your family and the projects that are special to you. Two components of figuring out how financial independence could work for you is knowing first off how much you would need and what's the timeline you're looking for. In this episode, we're going to get into that. We'll jump into some of the different paths to financial independence, how to begin figuring out how much you need to retire, whatever that is, and then choosing a financial independence path that fits your family's goals and timetables. Let's get started. One of the things I get to see since I've been writing about personal finance and running my site are some of the questions people have about money. Over the years, certain topics may come in, depending if there's a shift in the big picture, like a reception, or maybe it's a certain time of year. Summer's where people are asking about getting a great deal on a family vacation. And then there are certain ones, year in, year out that I keep seeing over and over again from families of different sizes, backgrounds, and incomes. They type it into Google to get an answer to that question that's weighing on them. And one of those is, how much do we need to retire? There's some solid pack of the napkin calculators out there, but can you really use them for your family's financial future? I decided to chat with Drew Snyder, who's a part of Coastal's Credit Union's wealth management team, to see what families need to consider when figuring out how much they need to retire and what those online calculators are missing. Honestly, not an easy answer to give. It takes a little bit of understanding um, 
the family and, and kind of what they want out of their retirement and uh, what resources they have. And it also comes down to, you know, what are they willing to do now mm -hmm. to prepare for their retirement? So we come up honestly with a different number for every person that comes in. But we could talk about maybe some guidelines if you would like that. I would love that because, of course, you know, this is not going to be tailored financial advice. This is really just getting that conversation started. And I know a lot of couples in the day and age, we live with apps, online calculators. We want an answer fast. Actually, just the other day, my husband wasn't feeling well, and we went to WebMD and we're like, symptoms, you know, trying to find a quick answer to what's going on. And I feel like sometimes that's the approach with finances. Can we get a ballpark number? And I've seen online calculators give different numbers depending on if they're saying it's a traditional retirement versus financial independence or an early retirement. And I've seen one where they base it on your income, like you have to have a certain amount of your income stashed away. And then in the financial independence space, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but a lot of them kind of follow mm -hmm. this 4% uh, four percent rule where they take their annual spending and then they multiply it by 25 to kind of you know get an idea of how much they need to sock away um, I wanted right. to ask you like you mentioned it's more complicated than that just like plugging in a couple of numbers so what are some things families should consider when trying to figure out what's their number what a lot of those simplified calculations mm -hmm. can miss are really important factors like inflation and taxes mm -hmm. um, and also a person's risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is not willing to invest their money, but rather just save it in a savings account and be happy with the 2% interest rate, uh, those calculations are not going to work for them. Yeah. Uh, those calculations are based on typically like a 7% rate of return on your investment. So uh, I think that a lot of times that's the problem with those calculations mm -hmm. is that they don't take into consideration what people are willing to do in terms of investing their money. Also, the kinds of investments or the kinds of accounts they're using. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting all your money into a 401k plan, every dollar that comes out of that is going to be taxed. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to factor that in too. And that's not really calculated in, in that um, 25 times um, expenses and then a 4% distribution rate. Um, they don't use inflation or taxes in that calculation. Gotcha. I think that's really important because, you know, on the user end, those calculators are pretty slick, very easy to spit out a number, but there's assumptions that are made. So that's yeah. great that you brought that out. And I know like a lot of people kind of just use it as a general, like this is what we shoot for as we get closer, then we definitely want to plan out more. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, the idea I think that applies to many families, whether you know they're retiring early or not, is saving a significant amount of money towards retirement or investing towards retirement. And you know, I've seen those profiles and they make good headlines. You know, they retire in 10 years, a couple or even faster mm -hmm. and they travel the world. But a lot of times when you dig into that, they're making really good income, six figure incomes uh, right. between the two of them. So I kind of want to break it down into two things. The first one is for those families that are making a more typical income. I believe it was around the median was around 60,000 a year, maybe 80,000, depending on what area um, you're in, what would you say just starting off to kind of shoot for, for a savings rate? Good question. And yeah. um, 
once again, it's personalized, right? Mm-hmm. So, and certainly the earlier you start, the smaller the percentage is. Yeah. Um, every five years or so that you delay saving for your retirement, that percentage goes up significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I did a few calculations just to get ready for this. I know you, uh, yes. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know I did. And um, it was pretty remarkable. Um, mm-hmm. So just for someone who's at like 25, mm-hmm. um, they needed to be saving, let's say, uh, 15% of their income in mm-hmm. order to replace their income in retirement. Mm-hmm. If you waited till 40, you were having to save between 35 and 40% wow. of your income. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming um, retirement at age 65. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that time that you have to save money and the time that you have in the market, I used a 7% mm-hmm. rate of return. Yeah. So the time that you have the money invested is really working in your favor. So the earlier you start, I mean, everyone's heard that, the earlier yeah. the better that you start saving. But to give someone a number that they should mm-hmm. be saving um, is hard to do, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their age, how much they've saved. Um, like, for example, the 40-year-old that I used, I assumed yeah. that they had saved nothing to that yeah. point. Um, but most 40-year-olds have a little bit stashed away, I would hope, by now. Um, so I think it's important, mm-hmm. really, to if you're going to use an online calculator, mm-hmm. Uh, to personalize it and to use a calculator. And there are lots of them out there that are decent, you know, Yeah. but they have to take into consideration things like your age, how Mm -hmm. much you've saved. um, Are you counting on social security or not? Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you if you don't count on social security, Mm -hmm. you'll have to probably for most cases, double your savings rate. Mm -hmm. So we do, we do planning for people who say, I don't want to count on social security. Okay. And we run the plan for them and they realize that it's virtually impossible to have a successful retirement without social security, unless you're literally saving 50% of your income. And some people Mm -hmm. can do that. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people don't want to do that because they're still trying to live their lives and enjoy Mm -hmm. themselves and raise children and save for other goals like college and buying a house and things like that. So um, they quickly realize that we need to have social security in order to be successful, (laughs) right? Um, But also you need to take Mm -hmm. into consideration taxes and inflation, which I think a lot of people forget. But a good online calculator should have those variables in there for you to to work with. Yeah, definitely. But you do bring up a couple good points. And I I think this is the focus in our community is you're trying to find that balance. You want to be financially responsible, save up, you know, prepare for the future. But at the same time, we have many families, young kids, they want to enjoy this special time. So they, they want to make choices that are sustainable. And so, of course, if you're going to be saving for retirement, if you're going to be investing, the money has to come from somewhere. So I wanted to talk to you. Um, if your experience talking, um, working as part of the wealth management team, what are mm-hmm. some maybe, I call them low hanging fruits or expenses in a family's budget that maybe they should look at to redirect or reallocate towards maybe future goals? That's a good question. So mm-hmm. the reality is, is that mm-hmm. 60% of most middle income families goes to three things, housing, cars, and food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you've already bought your house, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do there unless you really do think you want to go through the process of selling and downsizing and mm-hmm. taking a smaller mortgage and a lower commitment there. Um, the other is automobiles. Um, 
and uh, choosing to have a, a more uh, reasonably priced automobile or buying used, which is really, if you talk to any financial mm -hmm. expert, they would tell you never to buy a brand new vehicle. Uh, you should always buy one that's a couple years old. Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, that's hard to do too. If you've already bought that big SUV brand new, um, it's probably not a good idea to, to sell that because uh, you're going to take a big loss on it. Um, and you may not even get as much as you have on the loan to cover it. So the third item is food. And mm -hmm. honestly, um, most people can save a lot of money on eating out. That's mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest expenses that people have that is completely controllable. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, and one of those is, is lunch. Um, if you are work at a workplace and you are literally eating out for lunch every day, um, that can really take a toll on someone's budget. Uh, and then the third, the one that people mm -hmm. always like to beat up on, of course, is the $5 coffee at Starbucks <laughs> um, or wherever you get your coffee from. I don't want to beat up yeah. Starbucks. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you get your latte. It's always $5. But, um, or your Frappuccino, whatever mm -hmm. your taste is. But um, so minimizing those costs and, and economizing around your food consumption can really um, help a lot in terms of helping people you know, find money to save. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does also boil down to that theme, like your priorities, what's important to you, why. And yeah, if those $5 lattes are like such a joy that, you know, you don't have mm -hmm. to eat out because like in the morning, that's your treat for the day. Maybe you might be able to write that off. But if you're doing that every day and you're not really getting the benefit out of it and it's keeping you right. away from those bigger goals, then it's something to you know, talk about together and see if maybe you could challenge yourself for a week or two and, you know, maybe make it at home and uh, get a French press or something <laughs> if you really want it fancy. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't want to yeah. be a total buzzkill. You know, people no. should do what mm -hmm. they enjoy, right? Yeah. Like I play soccer and mm -hmm. I will always spend the money it costs me mm -hmm. to buy my cleats, to pay my league fees. You know, you're never yeah. going to tell me to take that out of my budget. So if coffee is that important to you, <laughs> then you got to find something else. Maybe yeah. it's your Netflix subscription or, you know, the gym membership or whatever, but, um, you know, find the things that are less important to you and focus on getting those out of your budget and really do the things that, that really bring value to your life. One of the big takeaways I got from speaking with Drew is identifying not just your essential expenses, but those must haves. It's so important. If you're trying to decide if financial independence is right for you, part of that is figuring out the number. And that number, I think, should include those things that bring you joy and add value for you and your family. I believe one of the turnoffs for some families when they're looking at financial independence is that they think it is about deprivation and cutting it to the bare bones. Part of it is some of the stories that get picked up are about this extreme frugality. And I'm a fan of being frugal, but I feel like it really is a disservice because financial independence is a more broader community than they think. It's not a one-size-fits-all plan. There are universal principles, but there's different paths to get there. And when I say financial independence, I'm talking about having enough money set aside and invested in some way that you can live off of that income and that work is optional. Now, something that's related 
and there is overlap in the space that maybe confuse some people is the FIRE community. And the focus there is the retiring early. Now, many in the FIRE space say um, that financial independence is the root, but to hook people in, I noticed that the early retirement part is emphasized. And then you have these different paths. Well, how much do you need to retire? And people have different opinions on that. For example, you have those who are lean FI or lean FIRE, where they have just enough saved up to take care of the essentials. Then you have fat FI or fat FIRE. It's basically where you have enough saved and invested. You get to spend as much as your high earning years. One of the big proponents of that is financial samurai. And then you have ones who are concerned about the why behind financial independence. And they look at not just the goal of retiring early or becoming financial independent, but the speed. And one of the big movements is slow FI, where as you're paying off the debts and you're building, your income streams or your investments, you're also making adjustments for more quality of life choices, even if it means slowing down towards your FI date. One of the blogs I read, The Fioneers, emphasize this. And then these are kind of subsets within that. I see Coast FI and Barista FI. Coast FI is you reach a certain threshold, which you guys define. And then you slow down as a way to make those years leading up to becoming financially independent less stressful on you. You may take projects off and on work-wise. You may explore different options. And with health expenses being a concern for many, Barista FI might be appealing because this is where you reach your technical financial independence number, but you maintain a part-time job that you enjoy so you can get that insurance benefit. So there's so many different paths and I know I didn't cover everyone, but those are the main ones that I've been seeing in my own reading and the conversations I'm having with others. Now, as you probably guessed from a podcast named Simplify and Enjoy, Fat Fire isn't really a priority for us. And as I was getting ready for this episode, I was trying to figure out why is that the case? I think the root of it is how we see financial independence. I'll let you in on a secret. When I was working out the site name, I was sure of one thing. I didn't want financial independence in it. And that's not to knock any of the incredible sites that I read that focus on financial independence. But I think it had to do with the fact that even though we manage our finances in a way that it qualifies as taking a financially independent path, it's not really the end goal for us. I see financial independence more like a tool. And the principles of financial independence that I appreciate and that we use and try to improve on is defining our essentials and our must-have expenses. You know, what do we need to be happy? And then cutting out the noise and status symbol spending that seems to trap people in a lot of debt. I love how in the financial independence community, there's a lot of emphasis on pursuing more options, typically by avoiding unnecessary debt. And I love that 
as you're on the path of financial independence, even before you get to that destination, during your journey, you're opening up more options and flexibilities. We've taken advantage of that with our work, given us more leverage, and that we're both able to be in jobs that we do enjoy. There was actually an article I read recently about one family in their 30s looking at financial independence. And one thing that stuck out at me was a comment about the FIRE number. And they had pointed out that it's not just a net worth amount. It could also be an age or a date when you reach that financial independence. And it's really about defining it for yourself. So I think that's incredibly helpful when you're talking as a family to decide what is your FI number. It doesn't have to be X amount. It could be a date. It could be a milestone. Or you could shoot for an age, but don't feel like you're being trapped on this path. It's really about defining what's important to you and then working along that path and enjoying it. So whether or not you try to rush towards financial independence or if you're savoring the journey, I just want to make sure that you do it for the reasons that are most important to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll have the resources we mentioned plus some extras in the show notes over at simplifyandenjoy.com. And if you live in the Triangle area of North Carolina and want to start aligning your finances with your dreams, you should check out our fantastic sponsor, Coastal Credit Union. Not only do they have competitive rates with day-to-day accounts like checking and savings, they also have a wealth management team, including Drew, that want to help you craft a personalized financial plan that fits your family's specific needs. You can find out more at bankbetter.org. Speaking of aligning your money with who and what matters most to you, next week we're seeing how kids fit in with financial independence. Matt Miner, a financial advisor and father, shares his take and some practical advice on designing and weaving more options when it comes to finances and your life. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from. Our music today was from Lee Rosevere. And finally, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate it. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, please email me, l at simplifyandenjoy.com or join our free and private Facebook group, Thriving Families. We're all about helping and encouraging one another out with our goals. Just go over to simplifyandenjoy.com slash FB. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.